Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Yes, episode 591 of the tennis podcast that's how much we love tennis and it is matt informs us international podcast day which uh, which sounds very exciting matt well done on that research um national or international is it go on matt international podcast day shout out to to listener jim who informed me of that good work jim so splendid work uh, and we've got an absolutely a massive amount of tennis to talk about because crikey i couldn't keep up with the number of tournaments that were last week uh, but that's our job here on the tennis podcast <laughs> um, brought to you in association with the telegraph so fortunately we've got matt here as our backup basically Catherine and i were going to because we're in separate locations today in fact we're actually but we can all see one another we're talking on a video call, which is really weird, and it took at least 10 minutes for them to teach me how to prop up my my uh, phone in order to actually be seen on it. Um, but that's what we've managed to do. Um, and even though we're in separate locations, we are ready to go. Catherine and I were going to do this one-on-one, and then we realised there's too much tennis to keep up on our own. So here's Matt. Hello, Matt. How are you doing? Hello, I'm very well. I, I so, hope I've seen enough tennis to be able to back you up. Well, you better have now. So yeah, <laughs> the pressure is on. Um, but uh, yeah, before we all start all that, what about our competition, which we opened last week and entries have been flooding in? If you are on our newsletter, you can enter our competition to win tickets, flight, accommodation to the Davis Cup by Rakuten Madrid finals between the 18th and the 24th of November uh, to see round robin matches of the team of your choice. Uh, there's still time to enter. It closes on October the 10th. So get yourself on our entry list, on our newsletter list. And, and annoy David and Matt. On Monday, our uh, our WhatsApp group with, was buoyant with messages about what a great prize it is. Oh, I, I want to enter. What a great prize. What a great prize. I'm going to tell all, all my friends and family, what a great prize. And then suddenly, 24 hours later, after the competition launches, it's just a... Uh, see of complaints about the volume of <laughs> entries yes. uh, that David and Matt are being alerted about uh, via your uh, email inbox settings, which yes. I, I'm not troubled by. I've, I've had a very serene week. Cleverly decided to avoid being part of this. 
Yeah. I felt like I'd done the most sort of viral tweet of all time. My phone was going absolutely mad. But no, it was just entries entries into our competition. But no, yeah. it was, it was, it's good to see so many. And from we have listeners from quite literally all around the world, which has who been we, quite cool to see. We've who had, we had entries from? We've Islamabad. Had entries, yeah, we've had one entry from Islamabad. We've had... Uh, I've made a list. Canada, Brazil, Hungary, UK, US, Germany, Sweden, Ireland, Australia, Slovakia, Spain, France, Norway, New Zealand and Lebanon. Blimey. So all of those people, are, if they've got the, the answer right, and I tell you, some of them haven't. Um, <laughs> quite a few of them haven't. Uh, if you, uh, you want to get yourself uh, in with a chance of winning this incredible prize, a couple of tickets or to, to more than one I think match, I actually. got the answer wrong, actually. You did no, get the Not answer. in my formal entry, but conversationally, yeah, yeah. definitely got the answer wrong. Both Matt and Catherine got the answer <laughs> wrong to our podcast-specific question that I invented. Um, so they're not going to win. So that gives the rest of you a chance. And, uh, yeah, flights, combination, tickets, and you need to get on our newsletter list if you want to enter. So scroll down on your phone right now on your show notes and click on to sign up to our newsletter, which is full of good stuff in its own right. You can enter our prediction or you can, no, you can't enter our predictions competition. You can see our (laughs) weekly predictions. There's so many predictions going on at the moment that I can't You can witness other people that have foolishly entered into the predictions game. Yes, which are the three of us. And uh, we have Matt's stat every single week, not an alliteration. And um, we, we have lots of other stuff too. <laughs> how, so, many, how many people have emailed you this week to mansplain uh, alliteration to you, David? Yeah, I, I'm, st- I'm still struggling to get my head around it a little bit. But anyway, <laughs> I'll get there. So that, that's, You've been that's flicking the through the Urban Dictionary, hoping it will explain, oh, explain alliteration that to That Urban you. Dictionary is amazing, isn't it? Is there a You're hard right copy of that. the Urban Dictionary available? <laughs> no, there oh, Christmas present, please. That's what I want. Um, so oh. if, you do, if you don't happen to win uh-huh. the competition, you can have our tennis podcast code to get uh, 15% off, uh, which is, just a second, you need to have the code TTP Davis Cup Finals. Go to the uh, daviscupfinals.com website if you want to buy tickets and, uh, and use our code and get 15% off. Right. Tennis stuff to talk about for this week. Let's begin with Wuhan, shall we? Which was the uh, the big WTA event, which has been won by Irina Sabalenka for the second time in a row. She's never lost in Wuhan. 12 wins, zero defeats. Her first five sets of the tournament, she lost five games. Oh. And and then uh, and then in the, in her sixth set against Kiki Burton's she was 5-1 up. She was a game away from beating Kiki Burton 6-1, 5-1, uh, and needed one more game. And then she lost the next six games in a row. Oh. Um, so that sort of stumped her little run, but she still went and won the title. What was fascinating was just how quick that surface was. I mean, I've heard this talked about before. I remember covering the event last time, but this year it really struck me, just watching the rallies and watching them with people who have played the sport at a high level like Laura Robson and Kyothavong, people who who really understand what it's like to be on these quicker services and what difference it makes. And it was so I found it so refreshing to see tennis on a fast court. Wuhan Bulldon. Which doesn't yeah. really work, does it? Oh I don't know. <laughs> Do I, although I'm I'm not really into plays on words, but you know, that one just 
it just works because it actually is... You're not into plays on words, but you think this is the exception to that. Yeah, I like this one. Matt, tiebreaker? Yeah, it's not great, I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) But it it lives up to the name, doesn't it? Although Sabalenka's never really done anything at Wimbledon. No, but no. the but the past winners you've had Venus Kvitova, um, and then Alison Riss got to the got to the final this week, and obviously she's a bit of a grass court specialist. Well, she was fantastic. She beat back to back. She beat Alina Svitolina, and then she beat uh, Petra Kvitova. Both of them in in tidy fashion. I mean, she was comfortably the better player in against Svitolina. I think she beat her 6-1, 6-3, and then she beat Kvitova 5-5. Five and five. And what was notable from both of those two matches was that she had one of those absolutely epic games on the other player's serve, which I think Kvitova managed to hold on after six break points and half a dozen juices in 13 minutes. But there wasn't much of a left after that. You know, it took about took about twenty minutes for her to recover from that game. And Svitolina, the first game of the match was fourteen minutes long, ten juices, and she and she was broken on the sixth break point. And then it was four love with about four minutes later. You know, it's just Alison Risk. She's an a slightly awkward looking player. She doesn't look particularly dexterous in the way she hits the ball from the baseline, but it was metronomic in its consistency and she's just such a strong mind it seems out there 29 years of age in the world's top 30 for the first time in her career I I think she's just she's just a great story one of these that flies under the radar never really gets much in the way of headlines but she was she was commendable she is total no nonsense isn't she from a from a mental perspective nonsense of which more later Andy Murray fans um yeah, she's just, I mean, Sabalenka is no nonsense in terms of tennis, isn't she? It's just, I'm going to hit this ball, no other thoughts necessary. Uh, and Alison Risk is, I'm going to do my very, very best to win this point, no other thoughts necessary. She's just so, so dialed in at all times, but in a very sort of relatable way. Like, she is, she is incredibly focused, but... She, I don't know. She just, she just looks like she's sort of going about her day. Oh my god! There's a big exclamation mark for me, Matt. Where David's face once was. Oh no, he's back. He's, that was alarming. I had um, the same. I had the same thing. I was, I was wondering whether to interject or not. <laughs> Literally over the portion of the screen which your face until moments ago filled, there was just a huge exclamation mark, which I'm sure was some sort of, you know, allegory. Um, but uh, yeah, I she she, lo- she looks like she's marks. just um, pottering about doing her shopping. Except she's she's winning tennis matches. I'd, I'm I'm I love Alison Risk. I'm I'm full of I don't know. She's she's sort of brilliant in a very very relatable way. Yeah, you don't you don't get anybody who says a bad word about her. Really, everybody seems to like her, respect her. And, but never, you never really feel like I've never really thought that she's ever going to hurt anybody significant at the top end of the game. And then suddenly this year, remember when Ash Barty came into Wimbledon and she'd won the French Open, she'd won Birmingham on grass, and then she won the first three rounds of Wimbledon more straightforwardly 
than than I can remember anybody winning in years. Everybody thought Ash Barty was going to win Wimbledon. I certainly did. And Alison Risk took her out and, you know, reached the quarterfinals of a Grand Slam for the first time in her career. And then she goes and she reaches the final of this event in Wuhan. Actually, it was the six, the seventh time, I think, in nine finals that Risk has had in China. She All of her successes are pretty much, apart from Sir Togenbosch, which she won this year, virtually everything has come in, in China, which is an interesting one. She just likes the conditions generally, I think, the, the, the vibe out there. And then her first 13 match victories ever in her career all came on grass, which just shows how suited she is to, the, to these fast conditions. And it's a similar story with Sabalenka in China, I think, as well. I think I read that she's played nine tour events now in China, Sabalenka, and eight of in eight of those she's reached at least the quarterfinals. So I think there is something to be said about the conditions in China suiting certain players, and they certainly seem to suit Sabalenka and Risk. Risk had some interesting comments about how as much as anything she thought the conditions are Wimbledon like in in terms of the balls that they use that she was saying as much as the court is fast the actual balls are kind of similar to the ones they use at Wimbledon that seems to suit her Um, so I think it's just this time of year does seem to suit certain players better than others I think we've talked a lot about how it really doesn't suit Sloane Stevens, but She's picked up a couple of wins but never really done much at this time of year where it seems to seems to suit some players so I'm always a bit hesitant to draw big conclusions about players at this time of the year because the conditions are different and the draws are sometimes you've got some players who aren't playing in them or they're fatigued from the whole season. But fair play to Risk and Sabalenko certainly played extremely, extremely well last week in, in Wuhan and were the best two players in, in the tournament. Mm. You mentioned uh, players... That, that are happy at certain types of the year. I think the other thing is just how much energy they have to expend throughout the year. If you look at Ash Barty, who'd had this amazing first six months of the year, won Miami, won the French Open, reaches world number one. And, I mean, she did okay. She got to the, the semifinals in in this one, but she looked absolutely David, you've, gone, you've literally gone sideways. <laughs> this is a oh, thrill back. ride. No, I can't even see you. Too. Oh, there you are. I can see you. Hello. Um, <laughs> comedy like gold in, here like on the tennis podcast. It's like being in a flight simulator with David. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we've got this video call going on, folks. It's some some weird stuff's happening. I don't know whether well, I've had three only beers, in your bit but of the I screen. haven't. You know, I didn't really know about my three beers, but um, I feel like I've had them. Um, so anyway, Ash Barty suddenly looked absolutely exhausted out on her feet in uh, in Wuhan. Um, and that's the thing, isn't it? Some players come in and they're fresh because they... And I think that that was one of the things with Sabalenka. She's had such a, a tough year. Um, if you think back a year ago when she won this title, we thought she was going to be the one, I I would say, to follow Osaka. I, I, <laughs> we were joking the other day that we'd got a field in our predictions for the year of uh, the next person to do something i can't remember what it was and i just got sabalenka next to it and i thought i was answering <laughs> yeah, sabalenka, sabalenka to next to everything, no matter yeah. what anybody asked me i just said <laughs> sabalenka 
Um, <laughs> and and it's she was kind of like last year's Andrescu um, before Sabalenka became uncool and started losing every match. And uh, now Andrescu is everybody's answer to everything. She, we still haven't seen her lose. She just won. No. She won again today. Three sets against Alexandra Sasnovich uh, in Beijing, which they've already started. What do you think, though, about, about Sabalenka? Because what, what does strike me, having seen what Andrescu's done, is that Andrescu has, obviously, I think, more options. But I don't know. I don't, I don't really understand why Sabalenka went so far off the boil, really. No, I mean... Possibly the insane Instagram posts give us an insight into why. That's all I can. That's all I can think of. I mean, in a world where slightly bizarre Instagram posts are ten a penny, that was award-winning. Um, but 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 entirely normal activity on social media from Sabalenka this week. So the the trend seems so, so that correlation. I'm reading into that correlation in the absence mm. of any other any other sort of logic to where Sabalenka's form comes from, which I struggle for. Um, it's, she's such a sort of purple patch player, isn't she? Um, yeah. That it's difficult to find rhyme or reason to it. So I'm going. I'm looking to Instagram for the rhyme and reason, and uh, <laughs> it all looked. It all was very nonsense free. I think there was just um, one like picture of her with that one trophy post saying um, "Great week, thanks to my team." Mention of Tursanov. No weirdness. No stories about going to a hospital with random people. <laughs> Um, no, no weird emoji usage. It's all, it's all been hashtag normal. So <laughs> you're the, you're the one who introduced me to emoji usage, Catherine. So don't you start on other people because I've, you know, I've now slightly lost the plot. I, th- I think there should just be a quota of how many times you can use this. You can use, I, I've gone off mic because I'm having to use both my hands to, to simulate this emoji. And it is one of my very favourites. The hands shrugging, hands in the air, what on earth is happening in the world emoji. But I think if you're using it eight times in one post, that <laughs> should probably tell you something about your mental health. You did, you did give me a hard time for one emoji ridden uh, comment that I made on WhatsApp earlier this week because uh, you couldn't decode what I meant. Because neither, neither could I. Because you were trying <laughs> to formulate a sentence using only emojis. There's only it, three of them. Yeah, there was one of them was a medal though. I don't know what that meant. Yeah, because I'm award winning. That's why. Uh, mm. This was in the predictions chat, wasn't it? Mm. Oh. Yeah, I had to mute remember. that eventually. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> were we falling out? I was I, I was getting what cross about the predictions. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Matt has muted us. Uh, what, can you can you remember what specific stage you muted? We were falling out, weren't we? Yeah, I was asking questions and they weren't getting answered, and I thought, well, maybe, maybe they were, and you just weren't aware of it because it was muted, Matt. No, I'd, I'd waited hours, and but there was no there was no <laughs> sensible information forthcoming. So I thought, oh. And then David started using emojis. And then you just turn the whole thing off. Right? <laughs> and okay, then I well, had a strop. Oh, the, other, God. the other thing on my Wuhan list uh, to, to, to bring this conversation back from where it's gone uh, was the crowds, which yes. were fantastic. 
uh, in the last few days in Wuhan. And it was, I mean, look, it's a, still a pretty new event. It's six years old, it, it first edition in 2014. And it was notable by its lack of spectators for for most of the first three or four years and it was it was put in we've talked about this before how it was brought to Wuhan because it's Lina's hometown and she retired from about two months before they started the the first edition of it not ideal um but it was I think I think I read that they'd I think last year they'd improved the the connections um, of the tram so that it could people could get there more easily from the city and suddenly in the last two days of the tournament you got this 15,000 seat stadium absolutely jam-packed and it was uplifting but you know when you compare it see what's going on at the world championships athletics last night where there were more runners in the 100 meters than there were spectators in the crowd you know it's just it's so important that that crowds are put at the head of what people do because it might not make that much difference to your bottom line, but the experience, surely that's what sport's all about. Yeah, I think it's okay to for everyone to admit that crowds matter and a big crowd and a great atmosphere makes it feel like it matters more and and mattering is what makes us watch that rather than well i suppose and quality but but makes us tune in rather than than watching two players slug it out down at the park you know it it, it you you want to see stuff that matters that's why we care about the world cup much more than we care about a a match of lesser import whatever whatever the sport and a and a big crowd thousands of people caring it's about caring isn't it and seeing a bunch of other people caring right there in the moment makes you care and and it yeah i mean the it, if ever you needed the contrast or the stark illustration of uh, the alternate world then um unfortunately the athletics world championships in doha at the moment is that and it's, it's frankly a disaster isn't it i mean they they predicted it might be a disaster it seems like a disaster from from the crowd perspective and it feels like an insult to the athletes and it's actually mm. a really uncomfortable watch so um they've obviously worked really hard on it from a very hamstrung start in Wuhan we've we've talked on previous podcasts around this time of year how, how much we feel for them as a tournament but they've really acknowledged the significance of the issue rather than being defensive about it and sort of batting it away and all being arrogant about it and saying if you build it they will come well no, maybe you've got to help them to come and encourage them to come and explain to them why they should come. And that's obviously all been done and it's paid off and that's it's great to see. And it's and it's great that a, a tennis event has that time to kind of blossom and bloom, whereas something like the, the one-off Athletics World Championships, which only happen every four years, this is their one go to have it in Doha and it's just an absolute nightmare. Whereas at least Wuhan has addressed the problem and improved the transport links, and I think it's probably just acquired meaning for residents of that city. It's, it's it's become something that they want to go to because they've seen good tennis played, and they think I want to be a part of that. And it's good that it has been given that time to grow, and hopefully it will just improve even more now. Actually, I remember Courtney saying that a couple of years ago that there's not that much. Um, 
understanding necessarily or familiarity with the sport um, in, in that part of the world. They ha- they get, they've been getting to know it. And um, that's shown by sometimes the way they react to what goes on on the court. It's they, 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 I mean, for a start, they, they attach just as much significance to doubles as they do to singles. And the other thing is they get really excited if anybody goes to the net. Yes. I mean, like really vocal <laughs> and start going wild as soon as somebody hits an approach shot. And the, the really funny thing was uh, they had a, a kids' day earlier on in the tournament, and it was one of those kids' days where the place is packed with kids that the umpires unwisely trying to shush and <laughs> completely unsuccessfully um and every time a serve hit the net they all cheered <laughs> <laughs> because they didn't know that, that they you know i don't i mean i can't exactly tell you why they did that but it was very funny to watch they would they would love watching me play tennis oh well and to you talk about rush him no, but I hit the net a lot. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Talk, talking in, about in hacking down the, phrase. the park, this time next week, Matt and I will be hacking down the park, my local park, and Catherine will be the umpire. Yeah, I wasn't invited to participate, which uh, I can only take as an indication that David's running scared. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to have some... A, a, this is a match for the right to face you when you're fully fit after your back problem uh and it's also a match for the right to coach you i don't quite know how we got to that but matt and i had an argument about no it was about a, who should be your coach it was a it was it was a listener email someone said who would who would oh. each of you pick as the other one to coach you and Catherine immediately said david no, that is absolutely unequivocally not true. Don't make me mute you, Matt. That is not true. I said from a purely tennis perspective, Matt, Matt, 100% Matt. Oh, but yeah. I said uh, if I just needed motivation or someone to snap me out of a sort of... Um, uh, what player can I pick as a... a Simona Halep esque self-flagellation funk then I would pick upbeat law I'm your Darren Cahill although I, would, I could imagine you doing a Cahill and just saying right let's sort it out then it's up to you <laughs> I'll see you later and that would I mean I would not respond in a Halep-esque way to that I would I would probably default protest <laughs> so hang on harsh. so the winner of me against David is then what? for the rematch will be coached by Catherine. No, so oh, I'm yes, the prize. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> you, 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 no, you're going to coach. Yeah, you're going to coach the loser of next week's match for the rematch between me and Matt. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so who and... who would you two pick? Who would you two pick to to coach you? Oh dear, I need a week to think about that. Um, Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just to be clear, the w- the winner of the match gets to play Matthew Whitaker, Catherine's brother, who's just sort of done a done an eighteen hundreds Wimbledon and just sailed through to the final without yeah. lifting a finger. Oh. And who's also really good, I understand. So, yeah, so he's I'm definitely really... better than a lot of us, I reckon. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. So anyway, that's the latest. But I do know his weaknesses, week. so I would. Right, I think okay. I'd be a good coach. Okay, so well, I get you know the winner of our match gets to have you coach us against your brother, right? So, but I'm cool. in the chair. 
so I could do a Leani if I wanted to. <laughs> you, you're better than this, David. I, I want to help you. <laughs> you're coaching next week's match. Anyway, you don't want to hear about this, folks. Dear, that's another four minutes gone. Uh, Zhuhai, uh, which has also taken place this week, uh, and Andy Murray has had some encouraging matches, hasn't he? I mean, he beat uh, Tennis Sangren in a rematch of their one from a few weeks ago in America, and then he narrowly lost out to Alex Dimonor. I mean, what did you think, seeing Andy Murray playing? in that sort of form whiskers away from beating the um the eventual champion um i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to temper my excitement and enthusiasm because in all honesty this the these two matches is the first time that i've felt like a genuine believer i'm not convinced that he can make it all the way back but it was the first time i thought it there was some evidence to suggest it might be possible because he was winning he was winning Andy Murray-esque points that's what was so uplifting about it he wasn't winning a different way as so many people us included have speculated that he might have to over the last couple of years you know find different ways of winning points because because his old way of winning points was so labor intensive he was winning vintage Andy Murray points that he had absolutely no right to win and um it was it was I mean Alex Dimonor was was brilliant and looked fresh as a daisy at the end of that uh second round match with uh with Murray absolutely just outrageously fresh given they were playing in about 400 degrees 80 percent <laughs> humidity it was about a three hour long grueling match um and Murray was was bent double, leaning on his racket, um, gasping for air. And that's not it's not because he hasn't put the work in, it's because there's just no way to replicate those sorts of matches. The only way to get fit for them is to play them. But it must have felt horrible for him to 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 be losing um because he didn't have the the physical stamina and looking up the other end of the court and seeing a twenty year old that looked like he could go for days. It was depressing. I don't. I don't think Andy Murray will have been disheartened this time. No, um, at all. But but, uh, but it would have been. He wouldn't have enjoyed that feeling. Yeah. No, I, I know what you mean, but I think that the fact is his game was there, and he was only short by a little bit in terms of the physicality, and he's. He's doing what he said he was hoping that this four-week stretch would do. Now, admittedly, that's only week one. He's he's drawn Matteo Berrettini in the first round in Beijing, and then he goes on to Shanghai, doesn't he? And then I think he's got Antwerp in Europe the week after that. I mean, he may well not play all four of those weeks. Depends on how many match wins he gets, how tired he is, how he physically pr- pulls up from these matches. But he won a match, and then he had a really hard-fought second match. And I think that that is e- exactly what he requires in order to incrementally get back to something like full fitness for the Australian Open. And really, that's what this is all about, isn't it? And he pushed de Menor as hard as anyone in that in that tournament. Um, and he said after the match against Tennis Sangrin, which in itself was a good win and a good kind of indicator of how much progress he's made in the last month, because, of course, he lost to Tennis Sangrin in Winston-Salem about a month ago, and this time he beat him. And other than a slight sort of dip in the second set tiebreak where he could have closed out in straight sets, he played a a really good match, I thought there, Murray. But he said after that match that 
he was feeling ready to go again, ready to play another match, which was absolutely not what he was feeling at the start of the year before his surgery. He could kind of he could kind of manage one match, but he was then the next day waking up in all sorts of pain and just not wanting to play again. Whereas now he kind of his body feels good enough that he's able to keep playing these matches. Obviously, he's only played two back to back, so. The, be interesting to see over the over these next few weeks whether he can stretch that to three with getting a couple of wins but generally it was just so uplifting and encouraging I thought to see him back and even even seeing him even seeing the pictures of him sort of mingling with everyone in Beijing like he's part of the tour again and Mm. that that in itself is just really nice to see Seeing him prowling around the back of the court, whinging about nonsense, yeah. whinging about unspecified nonsense was just great. I, yeah, I, he, I he, didn't realise how much I needed that. Yeah. <laughs> I hate nonsense to the, too, Andy. He came up to the umpire at one stage who was, I think, Cecilia Alberti or I, I think it was her. And he came down, he sat down and he, he complained about an overall. She gave him an answer while well, this was at the sit down. And he just goes... Yeah, but what about that one earlier on his side? You know, <laughs> I thought, yeah, here we go. Lawyer like Andy Murray again. Yeah, didn't spot um, that, did you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Alex Dimonor has won his third title of the year. Crikey, that's good. What were the other ones? I can't even remember them. Well, he won Sydney at the start of the year, didn't he? I couldn't remember what the second one was. And Sydney was interesting because, remember, he won that Sydney title on the Saturday and then they gave him a Monday first mm. rounder at the Australian Open, oh, right. um, which was a really, really tough gig. And there was a lot of chat about that at the time. Um, what was the other? What, when was his other title? It was it was Atlanta just after Wimbledon. Ah, when he, of course. When, he, when he, he sort of served his way to the title, like he didn't face a break point or something mad like that. And I think that is one of the really big improvements I've seen in Dimonor's game his serve he's getting so many free points on it it's kind of he's a bit Nishikori like his game in that his his number one attribute is probably his speed and his movement and his ability to kind of take the ball early and be consistent but if there's a point of difference with Nishikori I think it's the fact that his serve is better than Nishikori's and that to me I think will stand him in in quite good stead going forward for Dimonor I'm really impressed with him at the moment I think he's had he had a groin injury in the year and struggled a bit to come back from that but since Wimbledon he's been not the form player because obviously there have been players one in particular tearing it up more than him but he's kind of quietly been really impressive since since Wimbledon now he's got yeah two titles since Wimbledon Hmm. And you can see it. You can see how frustrated Andy Murray was at times, hitting shots that he would have assumed would be winners against most players. I think that that's what Dimonor has over just about everybody is speed that mm. doesn't seem possible at times across the court. So it'll be interesting. I think that makes him really exciting to watch. I think s- speed is sort of such a primitive part of sport. Really, people have measured speed for for ages and to see someone with his speed on a tennis court and how he's able to use that as a weapon I think makes it I just think makes him really exciting he reaches balls that you think how's he going to get that and then he hits a winner Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Pablo Carena Buster has won the title in Chengdu. When was the last time we mentioned Pablo Carena Buster on the podcast? That's a while ago, isn't it? Two years, I would, I would expect. Yeah. The people have been um, waiting. <laughs> well, well done him. He beat uh, Alexander Bublik, who was kind of the story of the tournament, really. Um, he manages Bublik. to make himself the story wherever he goes, Bublik, and that's his MO. That's his goal. He needs, he, he needs to become a thing. Yeah. Because he's against good to watch. Dimitrov. I've watched this match against Dimitrov, who was playing well, and there's no way the guy could lose. No way. He's a set-up... It's three all seconds. Why would set. you ever say that about Grigor Dimitrov? Because I'm a fool. Uh, and <laughs> it's three all seconds set. Bublik's having treatment to his knee at a set and three all, right? Dimitrov's playing beautifully. Um, Bublik hits 35 aces and 15 double faults over the course of this match. That's 50 points that Dimitrov has no role to play in <laughs> whatsoever. And. Then Dimitrov loses the second set 11-9 on a tiebreak and the third set on a tiebreak as well. So public gets all the way to the final. He's, um, um, yeah, he's all the things, isn't he, Bublik? He, he doesn't mind a bit of curious. trash talk. Do you remember when he drew Andy Murray in the first round of Wimbledon and decided to give him some sort of boxing-esque trash talk and then lost yeah. sort of 2-1-2 two, and two or something? Yeah. And he, he loves an underarm serve. He underarm serves more than Kyrgios does. He is the challenger Kyrgios, isn't he? He's, mm. You know, he's somebody who hasn't made it yet, but, you know. But he's starting to make it. That's the thing. He's starting to do stuff now. Mm. He's the He's the... He's just overtaken Kukushkin as the Kazakh number one, I saw. Um, and Hotly contested title. Absolutely. And what you were saying about the underarm serve, there was a rally played against Fritz where, honestly, the underarm serve was the least outlandish and outrageous <laughs> shot in the rally. <laughs> <laughs> there, were, there were hot dogs, lobs, <laughs> everything going on. It was great. Awesome. Uh, Shapovalov got to the semis and in 
classic style now uh he lost in the semis he's zero for seven i'm reading from your notes here matt yeah zero oh for seven in atp semi-finals and whoever has beaten him has gone on to win the title every time and that that's, oh well there you go that stood again with it's, it's not great for him is it when when you when in moments ago we we're talking about alex de Menor winning a third title of the year shapovalov yet to get past a semi-final stage at any at any event is um is a disappointing record. I'm still optimistic generally about Eugenie and and him turning things around a bit, but th- that record's going to get in his head if it hasn't already. Well, it's, it still makes you feel like his game is more about the spectacular than the successful. And I, it felt like he'd made a real stride at the US Open. We talked about the match against Monfils, um, the impact of Eugenie, all the rest of it, but. Yeah, he's got he's got to start turning ATP two fifty events. That you 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 said it yourself. Three titles for Dimonor this year at that sort of level. You should be able to do that as your first layer of success, and then move on from there. That's what these players do, uh, and he's yet to do that. So, still a long way to go for him. Um, a title also in Tashkent for Alison Vanoitvank, and we talked about crowds. I mean. They were playing on courts that looked like the ones you and me will be on next year, <laughs> next week, Matt. I'm telling you. Uh, and Henley and Arden is not hosting uh, a WTA <laughs> international tournament anytime soon, as far as I'm aware. Well, nor, um, is, nor is Tashkent. I believe that was the final final edition of it. Oh, it's gone out with was a it? bang. Well, maybe Henley's taken over. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so she beat uh, Serena Castillo in the final. Um, yeah, well... Top seed and U.S. Open doubles semi-finalist Victoria <laughs> Kuzmova went out in the quarterfinals. That is a Labour Cup esque intro, Matt. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just I just needed to get it in. Uh, by the way, Savalenka, I think, won singles and doubles in Wuhan. She is one heck of a doubles player, playing with the least Mertens, and that seems to be doing her a lot of good. Uh, so this week it's Beijing, which is um, a premier mandatory tournament. I mean, what sort of name is that? Um, but I believe those. those names are changing next year. Well, I do hope so. It's not. I've, it doesn't exactly. I'm not sure if that's confirmed, but I mean, it's a no-brainer. Not exactly. A if anyone, if anyone out there from the WTA is thinking of changing them, yes, yes, do it. Change them to yep. something good. Um, but anyway, there's loads of points and prize money available for it. Everybody's pretty much there, apart from Serena Williams. She's not entered. Um, and Tokyo is going on at the same time. It's men and women, Beijing, isn't it? And then um, it's a 500 for the men. Yeah. And, a and a premier and a mandatory for premier the women. Mandatory, so which there are four of those. And Djokovic Tokyo, has been doing some sumo wrestling just in Tokyo. In, yeah, I saw yeah, that. Yeah, some sparring He's, with the sumo. I mean, it's wrestling. not quite the physique for it nope. on the basis um, of these photos. But it was quite it was quite amusing to see him try to move the sumo wrestler even an inch, and he yeah. wasn't able to do it <laughs> with all his might. Yeah, he's quite a big lad. Um, we're not sort of tennis player he'd make. Um, Hang on, who, sumo there's the sumo wrestler, an underdressed one, I would say. Do we think? Passing. Do you think he's better at tennis, or Djokovic is better at sumo wrestling? At tennis podcast, pole vault coming your way. I think sumo uh, wrestling, from from what I've seen, is largely about physique. I'd say. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying there's not skill involved. Catherine analysis, <laughs> but I would right say. There. The, the number one determining factor of whether you'll be a successful sumo wrestler is your physique. 
we're going to get emails about this <laughs> from from sumo fans who are going to disprove this. Um, uh, whereas with tennis, I mean, physique is is it's a thing, but the, the yeah, there's more other stuff going on. <laughs> okay. That 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 some sumo wrestlers might just be great at, but yeah. you can't do it in a nappy, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not, I'm not quite sure where to go with that. Um, what else is on my list? Um, who's the top yeah. seed in Tokyo? Well, Djokovic. Who else yes. is playing Tokyo? Uh, Chorich is there, I think. I think he's the second seed. Has Djokovic ever played Tokyo before? Doesn't he usually play Beijing? I think he's played both, hasn't he? Well, he's he's specifically said he's playing Tokyo this year so that he can get used to the courts for the Olympics Ooh. next year. Oh, good plan, because it's the same venue, isn't it? Mm. So um, he's, it's obviously slightly different time of year, but in terms yeah. of the, the court conditions, he I think he said i think he announced around wimbledon that he was going to be playing tokyo so he's, he's it's been something that he's obviously been thinking about for a while whereas federer is claiming that he's still undecided about whether he'll play the olympics which i find so ludicrous yeah i, d- I don't believe that no it's just <laughs> simply not true um maybe he's just i i mean he does try to say everything is about how i am physically doesn't it depending on you know he might be injured I suppose. But. Yeah, but he doesn't say I'm undecided whether I'm playing Wimbledon next year because I don't know whether I'll be injured. Hmm. I I read those quotes and I wondered whether I don't know whether I don't know what language he gave them in. I read them in English and I I did wonder whether what he meant was I'm undecided about whether to play doubles as well at the Olympics because that might obviously he's already got a doubles medal. Mixed would be an option with Bengic. Um, or oh, he might yeah. be. Oh yeah, do that. Or, or he Please might be do that. really focusing on the singles. I'm not sure, but I can't believe he's not going to play anything. Hmm. Federer, Benchich uh, mixed. Yes, please. Incidentally, in Beijing, they've already had a 2.30 a.m. match finish between Garbinia Magarutha and Sofia Kenin. Match went on the court just after one in the morning. I mean, they had had about five epics finishing seven, six and the third. But what I, sh- I just think... Something needs to be changed so that those players can come back the next day and play it at a normal time and not lose out massively. Um, She's a Muguruza is a witching hour tennis yeah. specialist, isn't she? Poor thing. Yeah, yeah not two thirty. Not even her latest finish of the year. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, how ridiculous is tennis sometimes? Matt, here's your stat for the newsletter. Matt does this stat every every week. Uh, yours can be Migarutha moved to one and one for matches <laughs> that finished after two a.m. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for not, the year. Not a for bad the year. record. Yeah. Um, so that pretty much concludes the tennis on court uh, for last week and this week. The other talking points have been off the court. Uh, one of them is the. I mean, I think this news has probably been out there for a bit about the exhibitions that Federer and Zverev are going to play the week of the Davis Cup finals. Now, Zverev told us at the O2 last year, Matt and I both attended the press conference in which he explained why he's not going to play Davis Cup finals this year um, because of the length of the season and the inability to have a a decent off-season 
Um, he has said separately that he doesn't like the format changes, and you know a number of people feel like that. I know a lot of fans really are uh, hate the fact that they're going to lose the home and away throughout the year, and, and that's gone from the sport. There's a number of people within the sport who don't think that this format is going to work. Um, there are others that do, but Zverev has chosen that week. Um, upon the invitation, I would imagine, of Roger Federer, obviously they're they're now represented by the same agency teammate, to go, I think it's to, it turns out now, I think it's four separate exhibitions that week in different parts of the world. Um, I think one's in Chile, one's in Mexico, can't remember where the other couple are. Um, Which, I mean, my immediate reaction to that was one of, frankly, disappointments, not... It's it's up to them what they do, um, and obviously Switzerland haven't haven't qualified for the Davis Cup final, so they wouldn't be playing in it anyway. Um, but Vesverev, I, I thought it was, I, I don't think it's a great look to be honest. To the same week that you've said you you know it's too late in the year to play the Davis Cup finals and you need your off season to be going off and playing four exhibitions around the world. Now some people say what well, have responded to me and said Look, exhibitions are not the same as competitive match play over the space of eight days which which is certainly true but it's also not the same as holiday or a training block no it it precludes you doing either of those things Um, what are your thoughts generally i mean i'm sure zverev will have some sort of mealy-mouthed explanation along those lines of of you know exhibitions not being the same as match play etc etc but it it weakens weakens what is a very valid argument in principle from Zverev, I think. The season is too long, etc., etc. There are legitimate reasons to be concerned over the Davis Cup format. I I personally still don't think that's a a reason to to boycott it, or certainly wouldn't be for me. But it's legit to have concerns about it. It's legit to um, not be happy with the length of the season. I don't think this is a particularly dignified or grown-up way of uh, hand it just looks maybe not dignified or grown it looks a bit graceless I think um and you know ultimately ultimately you can talk around it all you like we know the the primary motivation that there will be other factors you know bringing tennis to those parts of the world that don't have huge events that's a really good thing audience etc etc but we know the primary motivation for players playing those exhibitions is money we know that so bottom line you're choosing money over representing your country is how i i see it those are the two biggest factors at play and that's a real shame it's a real shame and it is not in the interests of tennis ultimately I don't think as much as there are positive upshoots that I just mentioned to to them going and and playing in that part of the world they're they're not as big as as a strong unified Davis Cup that that people in spite of their concerns 
try and get behind or at least give a go. It just it bothers if, if me he, that everyone's Catherine, writing it off without giving it a go. If, if he was to say, well, hold on, look, I just think that this is a massive mistake. I played the Davis Cup home tie to get my country to it in, what was it, April, but I just don't believe in the Davis Cup finals and I'm going to show my displeasure by boycotting it. And yes, I am going to slightly troll it by playing a bunch of exhibitions. I'd have a lot more Roger respect Federer. for that. That that openness rather than uh, I've no idea if he does feel like that at all I mean I'm I mean I would, to I would still I would still counter with why not give it a go because mm. you don't we don't know what it's going to be like I would still counter with that and I would still find it a shame that he felt that way but um I would I would I would have some respect for that that position certainly what do you think Matt well I agree I just think by playing these exhibition matches he's undermining his own argument which I think is a very legitimate argument about wanting more time off number one and also more time to train the point he was making in that press conference he gave that we attended last year David was that tennis players don't actually get that much time to kind of work on their game during the season and you need that time during the off season and but by playing an exhibition, he's making his off season shorter. And you know, if there is a if there is a player whose game has kind of stagnated over the past twelve months and could do with a good training block over the off season, Zverev would be up there. Now, I'm sure he'll say that he'll get some sort of advice from Federer in these exhibitions, and playing with him is never a bad thing. That kind of thing, kind of get that argument, but. At the same time, what he said before is that he wants these longer training blocks and to then play an exhibition, whatever two ways, you know, whatever way you look at it is is a contradictory thing to do based on what he said in the past. So I find that the main disappointment out of it all because he's been we like the fact that he's honest and upfront and gives his thoughts on the length of the season, but he's not he's not backing those thoughts up with with this action, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does say when asked about it. I should say as well, I, I had a a couple of people say to me, well, you know, you would say this because you are from the tennis podcast that is now sponsored by the Davis Cup finals between now and the Madrid finals in a in a month or so's time. Which, you know, hands up, I can't I can't completely say to you, oh, well, that's nothing to do with anything at all because we are sponsored by the Davis Cup finals between now and then. I can say hand on heart that isn't the reason why I have this view. I've been consistent on this show over the last few years that I felt that Davis Cup needed to be reformed and that, to me, a finals makes sense. Um, and you can go back and listen to the archives to, to hear that conversation point several times over when we weren't having any sponsorship at all. Um the fact is, I still don't know whether it'll work. Um, until it happens, we don't know whether it'll work. But that has always struck me as something that, that needs to happen um, in order to try to get the best possible event. I mean, it clearly isn't in the best week in the world. Um, they've acknowledged that themselves. And it's just a shame, again, that they haven't found tennis as a whole come together and found a week that works for way more people. And once again, it... <laughs> It makes me feel slight. I'd love to talk to Federer about this as well um, and hear his views on it because he has taken a, a week in the calendar for the Labour Cup, which was a fantastic few days of tennis. We talked about it last week. 
there's so much good about it. But that could have been a week for the Davis Cup finals. Um, and he's now, uh, yes, he's not playing the event. I think he gets more of a pass than certainly than Zverev does because, frankly, his nation isn't in it for a start. But also Federer has had 20 years. He's played the Davis Cup. He's won the Davis Cup. Um, Zverev is not in the same position as he is in. But I do. F- it does rankle that these exhibitions are being held at exactly the same time as as this massive team competition and i think it's and it may be that they just have to book these locations so far in advance and commit to them maybe even before they knew the date of the davis cup finals maybe it would have made no difference anyway but why isn't it the week after it just feels like that 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 just it just great feels like a troll it does it grates with me that that is happening um and it comes more to the point of just again tennis fighting itself all the the significant constituents within it and roger federer is a massive one of those he has now become one of the factions within tennis that is just battling it out for territory that doesn't feel good for tennis overall uh, he, as much as the many many good things that he brings there are there the sooner the sport and its factions come together and just try to figure out a way to make all this work for the better betterment of the sport. Well, that's what I want. Doesn't feel eminent, does it? No, no, it doesn't. So look, you know, I take on the chin that that we 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 wrestle all the time with things that we so, should say yes to and say no to in terms of opportunities for whether it's sponsorship and so forth. We are really, we do try to be vigilant about it and not compromise ourselves. Um, but what we do make sure we do is anybody we do partner with, we tell them, look. We're going to give our honest opinions about things regardless of who is sponsored by it. That's just the way we do it. Um, and and people can take it or leave it. And that's what we've done on this occasion. Um, Nick Kyrgios has been finally um, adjudicated upon his behaviour in, what was it, Cincinnati, where he had the uh, the argument with Fergus Murphy and several other things that he did over the course of that period. He's ended up getting, and, and this came out, the I think the day after or two days after Labour Cup finished um, this this uh, judgment, and also a, f- a few hours or a day after Kyrgios had said himself, "My shoulder's injured." Um, he he played a match. He lost, I think, seven six six one, um, and he said, "My shoulder hurts. I'm I'm gonna I'm likely not gonna play for a while." He then announced that he's calling calling his season to a halt uh, apart from trying to play the the Davis Cup finals um, for Australia in mid-November. The ATP judgment then came out to say that he was getting a fine of $25,000. This is in addition to all the the fines he got during the the event or straight afterwards. And a suspension of 16 ATP weeks. However, that is a probationary period uh, of six months. So that 16-week ban will only come into operation if he were to fall foul of the rules once more in in the period of six months to which he's been given this probation. Um, And what he's got to try and avoid in that period is any verbal or physical abuse of officials, spectators or any other persons while on court unsportsmanlike conduct based upon an act such as spitting directed towards an official spectator or other person during or upon the conclusion of a match, any visible obscenity directed towards an official, six months he's got to keep this up for, and he's got to have continued support from a mental coach while competing at ATP Tour events, 
and additional support to be sought during the off-season in November and December from a professional specialising in behavioural management. Do Catherine, you th- your reaction? Do you reaction? think applications are flooding in from mental coaches <laughs> and specialists in behavioural management? I want that job. I, th- I think so. it's a bit like football managers who go to Manchester United and <laughs> think, I want to be the one to turn them around. Uh, yeah, right. What do you think? Of, what do you think of the judgment? Oh, I think the timing of it is laughable, um, and I think if, I wait eagerly to see if it'll be held to, and because he is not going to go six months without swearing during a tennis match audibly. And that is what those rules state, that he, if he commits an audible obscenity, he will receive a ban from the sport, correct? If he A visible commit... obscenity uh, and verbal or physical abuse and unsportsmanlike conduct. So audible, audible, obscenity obscenity. Isn't, audible obscenity isn't in there? No, it doesn't no, look No, that's like interesting. It. Right, um, OK. <laughs> they, they probably know he won't get away with that one. But the only thing is, I mean, he, he got this come down to him the end of September. So that's October, November, December. The only event he's likely to play in that yeah. period is Davis Cup. And then you're talking um, January, February, March. So the Australian summer and Indian Wells, Miami. Well, the the other factor to consider, and, and you could, could say this is just part of the job, but... It makes umpiring Nick Kyrgios matches now even more difficult. Yeah, it's a because, on it. because, yeah, if if you give him a formal warning, that is getting him banned from the sport. And um, I'm not saying any pressure will be applied, but you know, umpires will be aware of of the various stakeholders in in those turns of events, right? You know, there'll be people desperate for that not to happen. Um, probably more desperate than Nick Kyrgios himself for that not to happen. Um, so it makes an already incredibly tough gig um, of umpiring Nick Kyrgios matches now even tougher, um, which is just an interesting sort of upshot of the whole thing. Do, but do I mean, it just, he... it just feels, it's like, ugh, I mean, have they explained why it's taken so long? They no. do, I mean, and why, I mean, why is quite, there, and why is there no onus on them to explain why it's taken so long and what the process has been Richard Ings who used to run the rules and regs on the ATP and is a bit of an authority on this subject anytime something like this comes up he's the person everybody goes to for comment he felt it was all absolutely fair you know they take as long as they take um I mean, it still does feel like this massive coincidence that it happens to have fallen just after the Labour Cup and just after he's announced that he can't play for two months or whatever. But at the same time, you could I could also imagine that they maybe they were just going to get to it eventually and then suddenly all this stuff happened uh, in terms of Kyrgios saying he's going to pull, his, pull the cord on his year and but, they thought, right, we better put this out. But I don't, it's, I don't it's know. as important as justice is... Justice being seen to be done is as important as justice being done. So even if there are no sinister or cynical motivations for the time, uh, the timing of this announcement decision, and uh, then uh, nonetheless they should have been aware of how it would look 
of how yeah. these timings would look, and it 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 doesn't look good. No, no, it it doesn't. Um, so anyway, Matt, we'll see what happens. What do you think, Matt? Well, I mean, I was kind of unsure what an appropriate punishment would be. I felt very strongly that there needed to be something. Um, I know Chris Clary came on the podcast and said that he absolutely thought he should be slapped with a quite a big suspension, and he hasn't he hasn't got that. So I, I find it quite difficult to actually comment on what the actual punishment is. I'm interested to see how Kyrgios will take it. Because I was looking back at the one he got at the end of 2016 when he tanked that match in Shanghai. And then he got given a fine and an eight-week suspension. And he he did come back at 2017 very briefly, a slightly reformed character it didn't last long but his his attitude on court was a lot better at the start of 2017 i remember that was the period where he had those really good matches in oh, yeah. indian wells and miami yeah he was fantastic but i noticed at the time then so in 2016 once he got hit with the suspension he put out a statement saying that he was sorry and that he respected the decision and he wanted to improve this time i've not seen any signs of contrition or remorse or anything i mean he was kind of joking about it a little bit on on instagram wasn't he he just i don't get the sense that he quite understands the severity of the way he spoke to fergus murphy in in cincinnati so you know we'll be able to judge properly when he's back on a tennis court but i've I've not been overly encouraged by what i've seen from him on instagram kind of joking about it when it's not really something to joke about. Mm. Enter the mental coach. Get we your applications see. in now. <laughs> we will see what that leads to. Okay, right. Well, that's uh, that's the tennis. That's the off-court stuff. Um, I should say we're we're looking. If anybody's got any bright ideas, we're looking for a live event venue in London in the first two weeks of December. Uh, to Wembley Stadium pod- is unavailable, so yeah, we're <laughs> we're know. on the hunt. And we, it wouldn't have been big enough anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is for Tennis Podcast Live, folks, who um, it's, it's, it's not an open entry. We're hoping to do those eventually. Uh, but this is for people who have backed us uh, to a certain level in our crowdfunding of last year. We'll be, we'll be running the same thing again in December. Uh, but, yeah, if you've got any great ideas of where might make a good live venue, we're, we're, we're open for ideas and, uh, and suggestions. Um, for I don't know, we'd probably be about fifty people, won't we? Hyde you know, Park. Anyway. Hyde Park, yeah. <laughs> It's a bit uh, anyway, unseasonal. Though. Let us know. Uh, tennispodcast.net and our uh, contact form is on there. You can email us. Um, you can tweet us at Tennis Podcast, whatever you want to do. Uh, we brought you in association with The Telegraph. We have our mascot, Rio, with a Y. We're executive produced by tennisballs.com. Uh, we've got our road trip next week. Catherine, Matt, you come into Solly Hall. How cool. We are. I've I've never been. If you, <laughs> you've got your passport. You've not been before. <laughs> no. It takes an awful long time to get there from where I live. I'm having to yeah. go up a day early, aren't I? It's quicker to get to Paris, I think, than it is to yeah. get to Birmingham. You do need a visa as well. Um, <laughs> so make sure you HS, sort of roll on HS2. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, yeah. well, Catherine and I have got a little road, road trip tomorrow. Have you? Yeah. What's going on? We're going to the ding. The what? <laughs> <laughs> It's it's that's a nickname for Reading that my friends and I try to make take off. 
<laughs> that wasn't the reaction you were hoping for then. <laughs> so this is Reading against Fulham, yeah. Catherine and Matt's teams. So, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen football matches involving your teams with you before. Am I to expect that I may only have the company of one of you next week because <laughs> relations may be somewhat frosty? Well, Matt is is being the bigger man and um, sitting with me in the uh, in the home stand. Mm. Right. So if if Fulham score, I need to be on my best behaviour so not to get punched. <laughs> yeah. Crikey! It's tense. Oh, uh, it is a bit okay. tense actually. I, I suspect that is a problem you might have Matt so I, if I were you I would develop some sort of strategy for that because that's what my money's on okay well I'll get an update on this next week if they turn up to Solihull for our, we're having we're not only having our, our podcast up here we're having our tennis match me against Matt uh, and all the ramifications of that winner to get Catherine's coaching in the future I can't exactly remember what it was anymore now uh, but anyway um, have you have you decided yet who would be your coach I need a week I told you yeah I need, I need a week have, have to... we have we decided the format of this match yes yeah, best of three Best of three with a, a, tie, a champion's tiebreak for the third set. Labour Cup rules. <laughs> I have to sit an umpire a whole best of three. Yes. I'm going to bring my iPad. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it's not even like proper tennis. It's us. <laughs> so, crikey. Uh, anyway, so that's happening next week. And then we're going down the pub to talk about stuff for next year awesome um so yes you've been listening to the tennis podcast uh thank you for your company if you would like to get on the newsletter and enter the davis cup finals competition do so scroll down on your phone right now click to sign up to our newsletter which will be going out in the next couple of days 10th of october is the deadline um and yeah we will be back with you again next week tell your friends about the tennis podcast um make sure they start listening as well and we'll speak to you soon flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's united healthcare insurance plans Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.